0: I think your career and how you move and excel within your career largely sits with you. Um, It's about being bold, being brave, and kind of grabbing opportunities when, where, and if you find them.
1: Welcome to the HR on the Brain podcast. Here we explore innovative approaches to dealing with key HR challenges so that you can continue to add massive value in your organization. I'm your host. Sheree Comlinellis, let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR on the Brain podcast. I'm your host, Sheree Comlinellis, and I'm so excited today to be joined by Joe Blake. Joe is currently the Group Talent Acquisition Lead for the Absa Group Limited, and here she gets an opportunity to lead the strategic vision for talent acquisition for the function group wide. And as Jo described herself, if there's one thing you can count on, it's that she will break not only with tradition, but mess with stereotypes. And having worked with Jo, I can agree that this is definitely correct. Mm -hmm. With close to two decades in the talent acquisition space, she's continued to push herself to learn more, to do more. And she's also earned during that time both an honours degree from the University of Stellenbosch in psychology, as well as a master's degree in psychology from UKZN all while also having a successful modeling career crazy Um, and really for joe knowing how to read people coupled with ambition and a key ability to drive productivity has led her to really be enjoying her career as a seasoned headhunter negotiator and talent matchmaker joe i am so excited to have you here with us how are
0: you doing today I'm good. I'm super excited for the conversation. Um, I'm very privileged that you invited me here. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. So, Joe, let's go back to the very
1: beginning. What was your first ever role in HR? And how did you land <laughs> up there?
0: <laughs> yeah, interesting. It's an interesting um journey for me because uh obviously started out studying psychology and very much went into um, wanting to position myself um, as a therapist quite early on um, in my life, um, that took a turn. I decided at age 24, that's not what I want to do any longer okay. to my dismay. <laughs> um, into a bit of an entrepreneurial journey, um, but to really find myself touching on human resources when i obviously into the world. Um, um, it's funny, I went for an actual interview to um, be a candidate for a PR and marketing role because that's where I was kind of positioning and pegging myself. Mm. Um, and I was quite interested into breaking into that world when I had the opportunity of meeting one of the executives at the actual recruitment and agency. It was DAB at the time. Mm-hmm. And she said, have you ever thought of doing recruitment? I said to another, I don't even know what <laughs> recruitment is. <laughs> wow. You know, she explained to me, um, and I think what really stood out for me and, and kind of jumped at me was the, the people-centred um, mm. sort of focus. And yes, you are selling people's experience and skill and you're assisting in terms of their careers. But I think what was really beautiful was um, the impact that it could could have on people um, and just the fact that you're able to, to kind of craft what it is that they're looking for from a career perspective. But then also you you got that kind of uh, ambit of influencing mm their lives and a lot of the time I remember one of my first placements was actually a graduate um, who had his first role in corporate and that significantly changed just his family life you know and yeah. so that really appealed to me and I was like okay well I'm here for it let's try it out um, so that was really one of my key roles and my kind of love for recruitment was born from from that experience. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: And in that space, you know, you mentioned the candidate that you were able to place, and that was quite a warm, significant moment for your recruiting career early on. Did you ever come across challenges in that space in your early career? Is there one that you remember yes, that really stands out for you?
0: One hundred percent. I think, uh, Shuri, when you when you mm. think of the recruitment, so you've got obviously organisations that you're approaching. Um, you're positioning key talent worth, critical talent, most of the time, majority of the time. And the talent kind of um, landscape is it's tough, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're fighting against, and I use the word loosely, but you're really up against a whole lot of other competitors in the market, um, and you're wanting to position and really differentiate your candidates from anyone else. Um, I had a couple of tears along the way um, because what I quickly learned about uh, human commodities is that they change their minds and they change their minds often. So often what you think is a fantastic opportunity and it's ticking all these boxes, Mm -hmm. it really does still come down to the person at the end of the day and whether it makes sense for them. Um, And one of the key standouts for me was – I was moving this, a uh, young guy as well, he was a Java developer at the time. And I remember getting the assignment and thinking like, yeah. Java, but the only thing about Java that I know is coffee. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I, quickly, I quickly had to learn, you know, what exactly, mm. you can't speak the language of the customer at the end of the day, and you don't really understand the intricacies around the business and their model and their strategy you're not going to hit the mark in terms of matching that talent to the opportunity. Um, but I remember I was moving this young gentleman um, from one Java role into another and Java developers are like uh, very hard to find Okay, um, actually at that point as well. And, you know, he said to me, Joe, this is what I'm looking for. And this is what I want from a company culture perspective, the opportunity, and I was like, tick, 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 tick. And he went through all these beautiful interviews and the yeah. client was just Fantastic find. Um, only to come to the end of it, and he was just like, "No, I can't do this right now." And what it boiled down wow. to um, that connection that he had with these current company, and that he actually felt um, he couldn't leave them, kind of in the lurch, you know. Um, and it is resigning from a company, moving a career change is mm, one of the biggest massive- kind of decisions, and it's one hundred percent often very stressful. So I think like that culmination of just from a timing perspective, um, the fact that it was so real when he got that offer, um, I think it was overwhelming for him. And unfortunately he kind of exited from, from the process, which left me in tears, <laughs> I'll be honest, because I had to start all over again trying to find um, another replacement, yeah. Oh gosh, I think a lot of
1: HR professionals can relate to the tears mm-hmm. at work situation. I think we've all had mm-hmm. one of those. I know I've had my my share as well. And so yeah. Jo, when do you think you when did you feel, you know, looking at it from your perspective that your career started to really get a momentum in terms of the HR space?
0: Because that was your first role and back then and yeah, you know, How did the momentum yeah. move? I think for me, what's key and pivotal that I want to land here is the kind of notion and idea around sponsorship. Um, and quite early on, yeah, I found somebody who recognized my drive and ambition um, and kind of my uh, vision that I had with regards to my career. And she was so pivotal, I think, Shui, um, just in terms of how I positioned myself within the context of work. Um, but then very quickly, almost became like a coach in that She was giving me very objective feedback around and constructive feedback around, if these are the goals that I'm wanting to hit or achieve, um, this is how I need to either reposition myself, refine what it is um, I'm putting out there, and just helped coach me around certain, uh, certain aspects of how I was showing up. And that information and that point of just having like a sounding board and someone to say, "Mm, are you sure you're considering everything? Um, Have you thought of this? That, for me, was critical. And I think very key where I started realizing, hey, um, my role at agency when I was a recruitment consultant was very much like a sales-orientated role. So it didn't feel like it had that human element of like Mm -hmm. HR, But once I started moving internally to an internal recruitment um, consultant or talent acquisition specialist, that's where I started really understanding where I fit into the employee value chain, the employee life cycle, what my role actually does um, in essence for the company, what impact I'm making within the company. And once those pennies started dropping and I had – the full picture of where I actually fit in and what impact I'm making, I think that for me was where I was like, right, I'm in the right place at the right time. Um, and I loved what I did. Recruitment, it's just something that I love doing. Um, I think that there's enough variety to keep me interested and, and engaged because I need that in my career. But I do think that um, having a role of somebody that was sponsoring me, stuck their neck out to say, I will kind of stand by Joan what it is that she brings to the table that really helped craft and make me understand the full picture of what impact I could have potentially in this space. Thanks so much. I think that is such a beautiful
1: point. I think for myself as well, I can also think of a similar person that I've had in my career that's helped me to also develop, especially in the more senior roles. And just like you say, to see that bigger picture that it's not just mm. in my case, training um, a group of people or managing a training function, but it's about how does training serve this organization's corporate goals and mission as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, yes. I definitely experienced the same. And so, Joe, if someone's looking to get that kind of a person, a sponsor, someone to work with them to
0: build their career, where would they start? And that's a it's an interesting question that you ask because I think, um, and I was going to speak from a from the context of being kind of a woman in the workplace. Mm. I think as women are um, as driven to seek out that type of relationship, Um, and again, it touches on on various things. But like, if I have to think of it from a camaraderie perspective, when you look at male colleagues and how they show up versus female colleagues, it's quite different are very different right um, but I do think as as women in the in the workplace we've got to start being bolder about putting ourselves out there and when it comes to sponsorship or even mentorship um, it's not just about striking up a conversation and asking somebody to be your sponsor. I think what you've got to very quickly do is, help people understand, number one, what is it that you're wanting to achieve out of the relationship, especially where a sponsor is concerned? Because in essence, a sponsor, um, you'd want to find somebody within your current organization that is sitting in a leadership role, that is sitting in in an influential role. Your mentor, for example, could sit outside of your organization and that's very different. But a sponsor's, um, I suppose, goal around having a sponsor are very different um, versus mentor and mentee relationship. And I think for me, what's crucial with the sponsor is what is it that I'm wanting to achieve? Number one, from the relationship. And number two, you've got to be able to articulate what's in it for the sponsor. So they're sitting in a leadership and an influential position, you're in essence coming to them with this pitch around why is it that you're wanting a sponsor for them to sponsor you? You've got to also see them yourself as an extension of their brand. So in essence, if they're gonna stick their neck out for you, you've gotta make sure that you're bringing it um, so that you know, whatever it is that you're doing from a work perspective, a delivery perspective, reflects exactly um, what it is that they're wanting to put out there, number one and also reflects well on them so that they do then have the comfort of, okay, if I'm opening doors for you to conversations that you wouldn't necessarily be uh, privy to, for example, or platforms for that matter, that they're comforted that you are going to be able to hold your own in that. And I think that's really crucial. And when it comes to identifying a sponsor, I mean, we can leverage off so many different things. But Mm what I did was I looked around the organization um, for somebody that mirrored the same values as me, for somebody that mirrored the same sort of work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, And I was close to those people. And I was intentional about getting close to those people Um, and then also giving them sights of what it is that I could potentially do. Um, And if, for example, your sponsor's got something, like if I have to think of it from a a specialist talent acquisition perspective, um, you know, what worth can I bring to the table that's going to reflect well on them? Um, And once they see that connection, I think it becomes so much easier when you're putting it in front of them and you're pitching the idea of why you're wanting a sponsor. Absolutely.
1: I love that. But I love what you've just drawn out there, particularly is that it's not just about the sponsor helping you build your career, but it's also about, firstly, you working hard to wow. show up, add value, do the work, um, and mm-hmm. to also support your sponsor's visions or goals that they are maybe working towards within the company with you. And I agree. 100%. I think that then brings a, a perfect relationship to the fore. Mm-hmm. So when you move into your kind of first, you would say, senior position, and um, what year was that?
0: <laughs> that was oh one year was that? that? sure i would say it was definitely within the context of my previous role so when i worked for the fashini group um i came in in a sort of a middle management level and when i left there i was sitting at a senior um, le- leadership level um so for me i remember it was a case of taking almost a lateral career move to get the Fashini group and I was very intentional around what am I going to get out of this lateral move because I wasn't necessarily looking for a lateral move I was of course at that wanting to kind of move up the career ladder so to speak but I think what what the Fashini group offered me at that point in my career was scale Mm -hmm. Um, I mean if you think of how large the organization is um, there, I would gain breadth in terms of you know who I'm working with across the organisation, how many stakeholders, and the impact of that um, was that I think I deepened number one my sense of sort of experience working at that level, mm-hmm. and then the opportunity for people to then see what you what you showcase within the workplace, what you can achieve, um, and then very quickly I was very again intentional about. I'm wanting to move in my career. What are the things that I need to hit from an individual development perspective? And then what type of experience am I requiring sort of in my buckets of experience and skill that would help me be ready for that next move within that environment?
1: Mm, Absolutely. I totally agree with the breadth and just the scale of regions, people, numbers that such a role can give you.
0: Um, yeah. And so would you say that was 10 years into your career, five years into your career? I would say, Cherie, I was age 33. That was about around eight years into my career, in fact. Wow. Um Think of specialist recruitment. So often when I reflected my entrepreneurial mm-hmm. kind of journey, um, that was also managing of talent, but it wasn't specifically in the recruitment kind of yeah. bucket. Um, so when I think of my journey along, you know, along the lines of actually managing talent um, and that kind of experience, I'd love to include that. But if I think about it just purely around recruitment roles, I would say it's just under 10 years. Yeah, sure, sure. That's incredible. And I think it's so good
1: for us to hear that because I think a lot of the time people can feel frustrated that they're maybe not having the movement they desire in their roles. But it does take time. I think even for myself in my career, I also, you know, had that uh, time that needed to be there before the bigger moves took place. What would you advise someone that perhaps is sitting in that place and feeling that frustration of, wow, I've been in this middle management role or this type of role for the last five years, and I'm really wanting a break here to, to move to a higher level. Um, what, would you, what would you share with them?
0: I think what it what it really boils down to is you. Um often what I find in organizations is you've got all this beautiful talent, right? Sitting there bubbling under. Um, but it does take visibility um, of that talent to come to the fore for people to go, oh, you know, who is that? Or hey, I want to get to know who that person is. So it comes down to, I suppose, your why. So what is your, your biggest reason for wanting to kind of move up the career sort of ladder? If I can put it that way. Um, and when you're sitting and reflecting on, I've been at middle management for X amount of years, what have you done to really start differentiating yourself exactly. from other ag- people that are sitting at that level as well? Because you've got to, I think, champion your own career and your own career trajectory organization is not sitting there with a whole lot of people like waiting to see you know <laughs> where talent's going to emerge from so it does rest with you to kind of drive um, your career development and whether it is about looking at kind of your experience within that middle management space what have you done to craft your individual sort of development so whatever gaps you may have had or if you're thinking with the forward-looking view, and a lot of the time we do psychometric assessments when you come into organizations. So if you look at your psychometric assessments, for example, what do you have that you can potentially close while you're at middle management so that you're reading yourself? for When there is an opportunity available, you're putting up your hand, but you also know that you're putting up your hand and you're ready for it. So I think that's really crucial to me. Um, when I look at my career, I was going, what is it that I need to bring to the table? And then how can I bring visibility to the work that I'm doing to show the impact that I'm having on the organization? And for key people, um, influential people, leaders in the organization mm-hmm. to experience, see that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, it was similar.
1: I completely agree. It's you know showing that what's the impact that I bring to the space that maybe others don't. Um, or that maybe the organization needs at this moment. Um, And and how can I then show people that? Because I found uh, colleagues of mine or people I've known in the corporate space with who have maybe experienced these feelings often weren't maybe as likely to make their work visible. They were maybe doing fantastic work, um, but no one knew about it. Um, And so Mm. then that became a barrier for them in terms
0: of, of career growth. Um. And I know that that feels awkward Hey Cherie Mm -hmm. um, You're sitting there and you're going like Okay so I've done this beautiful piece of work And now I've got to get people to see it And oh shucks what are people going to say And how they are going to receive it And I think if you think of it in the context of Your work is so much more than just who you are And what you're bringing Helping an organisation better itself Um, And if there's opportunity for colleagues To have input into that And into the beautiful work that you're doing Then why not you know, then it takes it away from being a personal, oh, my gosh, I feel a little bit showy offy about it. No, the intention is for everybody at the organization or even as a people function, for example, to benefit from the piece of work. So it then becomes less about, like, hi, I'm Joe, and I'm trying off about my piece of work that I'm doing. It's more about, hi, I'm Joe, or colleague. This is what I've come up with. What are your thoughts? What are your ideas? How can we make it better? Or what are your thoughts on it? Then it's about a co-creation of how can we get our people function to look as beautiful, efficient, sexy, et etc.
1: absolutely, yeah. it's it's so interesting because I definitely have memories of putting myself out there in in my career and then having comments from colleagues saying, how are you brave enough to go talk to that person you know that sits yeah. in the corner office or whatever?" Or mm-hmm. why are we talking to so-and-so? And I'd be like, is this a weird thing to do? I don't know. <laughs> I thought this was what people do. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think also just as colleagues, and it ties back to what you said about women in the workplace earlier, supporting each other with making those moves. Because one hundred percent. sometimes the opposite happens when you're that person putting yourself out there, people are saying, you know, maybe negative things. Um, and mm-hmm. then you're having that whole element to deal with as well. So I think it just ties back so well to what you previously mentioned. Um, Thank you. And Jo, I've seen that, you know, for your, in your role on, on LinkedIn especially, um, but also in the industry, I guess there is this move towards, you know, from ta- just talent acquisition through to employer branding and that shift has kind of been taking place for a while and you you and your work at, at the APSA group limited's really been showcasing what that looks like how have you see, have, how how did that come about and what are you seeing in terms of successes from from putting the absa group
0: out there in that way <laughs> thank you yeah um i must admit to you that the 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 role at absa is so beautifully crafted for me i think at this point in my yeah. life because and um, it was a funny thing. I came into ABSA like early 2020 and we went like straight into lockdown. No. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got, I'm required to network with people for my role. So, you know, I'm new to the organization. I'm, I'm needing to learn it, I'm needing to learn its people. And now I'm sitting in, in COVID. And COVID presented a unique opportunity for us. So prior to kind of 2020, there was obviously been uncoupling of ABSA from Barclays, et cetera, and we did the whole rebranding and everyone is really excited about that. And it got to a point where we've also had to now re-look at kind of what is our employee value proposition? What is our employer brand out there in the market? And if I have to be completely honest with you, I think when I shared with my peers that I'm, I'm moving into ABSA, everyone was like, oh my word, ABSA, hey, they go through so much change. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. It's a big deal Um, because for me, change is, it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. Um, And I saw it as an opportunity. And so um, that really kind of sparked, um, you know, questions in my head about uh, what are, what is our brand perception out there in the talent market? And so, you know, working across with with peers in the organization, with uh, preferred suppliers outside, really got a unique sort of opportunity to understand very intimately from our colleague engagement surveys and exit interview data and things like that. um, What was the sense um, and sentiment around sort of our employer brand? And um, of course, COVID hit. And so we don't always have the opportunity now to have host candidates at our offices and make a whole fanfare about it. Because when we did the face to face, you could really sense of the real, the people that are in the organization, what the organization is all about and experience that. And I think what was born out of the whole COVID and, and lockdown situation was the fact that we wanted to take a message of what is apps. and who does ABSA stand for? And really at the center of that is people, right? Mm -hmm. So an organization is only an organization as far as its people are concerned. And so when I interact with the Sheree, I am really a walking, talking advert for ABSA. And so um, it was about sharing stories that exist within ABSA that'll give external talent and the external talent market a window into our culture, our leadership, what's kind of topical and relevant, right now um and so it was really about storytelling um and telling the actual apps the story because i think for us there was a little bit of a gap in that often talent would look at us and go oh um do i join that organization you're great they've got beautiful opportunities but do i know enough about the culture um because all they're hearing about is leadership or change in this or change in that and sometimes that could be a bit scary for other people um, but beyond just the change I think there's such beautiful stories that exist with colleagues with our leaders um, and so it was humanizing the workplace for us and I think we use LinkedIn and the LinkedIn live events to bring those stories to the forefront um, and to really bring an essence of who the people are behind the apps the brand
1: yeah and I think you really are achieving that. Look, at least from my perspective, I always, when I see the videos, I go, it feels like I'm there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm experiencing it. Um, so yeah. that is, is really great. Um, and Joe, if you're thinking about um, things that you're working on at the moment, is there anything specifically mm-hmm. that you're looking for um, or needing assistance with um, that comes to mind or an exciting project you're working on? that you'd love to share with
0: us, that you can share with us? What's yeah, next sure, you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, at APSA, we're always looking for talents and talented individuals. And I think when we think of the landscape of talent within ABSA, our disposition is that everybody at APSA is talent. So we'd like to think that we're recruiting talented individuals into the organisation. Um, What you do with your career is very much about being self-driven. And even in the context of learning and and development, um, we're looking for people that are wanting, that are hungry to learn. And Mm -hmm. I think learning um, offerings within APSA are best in class. Um, And so if you're looking for an environment and opportunities where you can grow your career and there is opportunity to move within the organization, then ABSA is certainly one for you. Um, I know for for us at the moment, that's key and crucial. It's just our our focus on our employer brand and those activities and really articulating what our value proposition is to both our colleagues that are already part of ABSA and then the external market. Um, the key there is we've just recently been certified as a top employer, so we're super proud of that. Congrats. And a, thank you. <laughs> it was our first time attempting it, um, and it was our kind of our first time that we actually got certified in one go. So that was really awesome. But it's really about taking the feedback from the top employer certification process um, and really looking at where the areas that we didn't really kind of hit benchmark, for example, best practice levels, Um, in the global context and focusing and fine tuning it from a people practice perspective. um, What then are we going to do to close those gaps so that we are sitting from from a people practice perspective against all of those benchmarks or even exceeding the benchmark. The global benchmark at the moment, I think, is about 85.5 across all of your your people practices. And those touch on various things like talent acquisition, your wellness offerings reward, um, Mm -hmm. culture, obviously strategic leadership all of those things. So it's really for us to look at those and see how then we can refine and even better our people practices. And I think that's for us as a journey um, alongside with obviously how do we then articulate what our value proposition is for both um, candidates coming into the organisation and obviously our colleagues alike. And then on top of that, um, that we we're wanting to go a uh, roll out of this year is our alumni network. we um, so oh, um, to see, you know, what what opportunities exist within that space. And I always think, you know, just because you've exited from one company, like if I had to reflect on, for example, the, the Fashili group, I loved working there. I worked there for a long time. Um yes. and i going to a different province, et cetera, presented different things for me, my family, my career. Um, but I have really fond memories about TFG. And when I speak about TFG to other colleagues, it's almost like I'm still working there. Yes. <laughs> I have the same. Um, so, yeah. So just because you've exited from a company, it doesn't mean that we can't still re- leverage mm-hmm. relationships, their skill sets, et cetera. So with the ABSA alumni um, in mind, that is exactly kind of the ethos and how we want to position our alumni network. It's about creating that sense of brand ambassadorship just beyond, you know, you coming to have a career at the organization, but we can still maintain a relationship even, even beyond that kind of role.
1: Oh, yeah. fantastic.
0: Firstly, I think what a privilege
1: to, you know, be at a company where there is that constant focus on improvement and refinement in people's strategy. I don't think that exists in every business, so that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And the alumni network, I really think, is a next-level idea because absolutely, once someone leaves a company, they're still talking about you. And so that's an extension of your employer brand. Um, So I love that. I think that is yes. you, as, as you said, breaking stereotypes and traditions. This is a very, uh, like, a new thing. I've not <laughs> heard of before, so I'm loving that. Um, thank you thank so much you. for joining us today, Joe. And I'm going to ask you one last question That's awesome. before we end. Sure, go for it. No, and that is what is your kind of number one best tip or piece of advice you'd give to
0: HR leaders out there as they're building their careers? So Sure. There's so much to offer, um, but I do think I'm going to give a more people, human tip as opposed to a career tip. Um, I think your career and how you move and excel within your career largely sits with you. Um, it's about being bold, being brave and kind of grabbing opportunities when away and, and, and if you find them. Um, and even if you're not finding them, it's about creating the opportunities yourself. So I'll leave that career tip um, on the side. But really for me what I've seen if I reflect on my career up until this point um, and the leader that I'm intending to be um, and the legacy that I'm trying to leave is there's so much strength and vulnerability. Um, I think as a female within the workplace you're always trying to, you know and I'm very competitive, I'll just say it right there. (laughs) um, We have that in common. Yes. (laughs) And I learned early on and from our my sponsor, um, we can create space for each other. The table is big enough for all of us. 100%. Um, and I think that's the, the kind of the, the hat that I wear as a leader. Um, and it doesn't mean because you're showing up as compassionate and kind uh, that you can't win. I totally believe that you can 100% still win, still hit the goals, still achieve what you set out to, but it's the how you do it. And for me, I want to lead people kind of better than I found them. Um, And so I'm trying to create that sort of leadership legacy where I can do it with kindness and compassion, still win. But I think the trigger and the, the, I suppose what what it relies on for you as an individual is to be vulnerable Mm. and to show, people, you know, whether you're a leader or not, this is kind of where you're sitting and and just show up as human. Um, And I think if I reflect on sort of what talent is looking for um, in the marketplace, especially now that we're moving into kind of hybrid work and the the global kind of um, geographical lines have kind of, you know, um, gone up in smoke. So whether you're sitting in the UK or the US or South Africa, it doesn't matter where you are, you can work from anywhere in the world. Um, if I think of it in their context and what talent is asking for, and when I say talent, I'm talking about people that are looking for moves. Mm-hmm. They're looking for an organization that's going to see them as a whole human being. So I no longer leave my little five-year-old um, kind of at the door when I walk into an Absa building. My home is my Absa building. My home is my children. It's how I'm, I've got on when I'm here. I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I'm a you know, HR leader, um, but it's also contextualizing that and being able to say, I see you, Joe, um, and this is how we can make your time here with us better, um, how we can make your career with us better, but just seeing you as a human being.
1: Absolutely. Oh, that is such a gem of a piece of advice. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I, I, I can completely relate to both of them. And I think definitely if someone tries to start implementing those, they'll see immediate shifts um, in, yes. in how their career is moving through. Thank you so much, Joe. It was such a pleasure. You're talking welcome. Um, You're and welcome. I know our listeners are going to get the best value out of all of the gems you dropped today. Thank you so much. Cool.
0: Thank you for having
1: me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and spending the time with us. I would love to meet you. Join us at our next event where we discuss. A thr channel to sign up visit www.thebrainybox.com forward slash events and if you enjoyed this show i'd be so grateful if you left us a review on itunes talk soon